Hey there, welcome to the Mental Perk Podcast. I'm Carla Hutcherson, licensed professional counselor. And I'm Brandy Mock, entrepreneur, author, and community leader. And we're here to talk about real people, real issues, and real talk. Welcome back to The Mental Park with Carla and Brandy. Today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Nicole Plotner. She is a student at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, Texas, and she is working towards eventually starting her PhD in pediatric psychology. We are so excited for her to come and tell us her story. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> well, Nicole, I want you, and your story is just, it's just so amazing, and we're going to get into a lot of different details with this, but I want you to kind of start um, from the beginning, and, and the basis of this is you lost your dad in a very tragic way. So tell us a little bit about your story. So I remember in being in eighth grade, and every single year on my birthday, I was always so excited because my parents, we always went to my favorite restaurant growing up. And that, that was what I was used to. So on this specific day, it was actually my birthday, eighth grade year. And I was excited this entire day because I knew that my parents were going to come pick me up and we were going to go to my favorite restaurant. And I remember maybe after lunch, middle of the day, I get called into the office and, you know, you can get called for the office for many of things, but it was very unusual for me. Um, I remember thinking, you know, maybe I forgot something, you know, maybe my mom's dropping me off something. But I remember walking to the office and I could see my mom and I could see her face and I knew that something was wrong. That was my first thought. And I had no idea what it could be. Going to the office, they didn't really, I could see the look on the front desk lady's face, of course, but they didn't tell me anything. Um, it was just a very quiet walk to the car, and it felt like the longest car ride of my life. I didn't even know where I was going at this point, but like I said, I just had the feeling and the sense that something was terribly wrong. And um, of course, we end up at the hospital, and then slowly after that, it's little bit of a blur, but I saw my family, my dad's side of my family, um, and my childhood priest. So I grew up in private Catholic school my whole life um, since I was in pre-K, six years old, all the way until I graduated high school. So um, our priest for our church, he was there, which was unusual for me. Um, but of course, our priest, like I said, like he would go to other, he would if you needed him, if you needed him to come to your house to pray over you, if you needed him to, um, if you needed anything, like you would go to, to the priest. And it really sounds like, and you're about to tell your whole story, but it sounds like this is where the trauma started. Mm -hmm. This is where the tragedy is. Mm -hmm. And I think seeing him, honestly, I was like, oh my goodness, like he's here to pray over us, like something serious is going on. Um, and... I found out that my dad was in a coma and he had a heart attack and a stroke at the same time. And talking with the nurses, they came to my mom and I and they said that you really only have six minutes with him. You need to say your goodbyes now. And in the less, I believe they gave us a less than 1% chance that if he did survive, we're just letting you know, like, 
half of his body is going to be paralyzed. He's not going to be able to walk again. He's not going to be able to eat again. Um, and I mean, just to get that like yeah. six minutes left, right. we were just like, Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. and so of course I was walked to the room and I think seeing him, the machine, seeing him in a coma, I just, I mean, I, I was crying. I was in shock, did not know what to do. I mean, I'm really thinking these are now less than four minutes that I have with my dad. So, of course, I thanked him for everything that he's done in my life. Um, I was scared. I told him, I I need you. Please don't go. Please fight this. And I remember he woke up. And the nurses, like, the look on their face, I mean, everyone runs up. And I remember, like, the beeps. Everyone's going crazy in here. And um, they're pushing him out of the room. And the nurse, I'll never forget, like, she looks back on me. She's like, I think you just saved your father's life. Because he woke up when he heard your voice. And I was so happy. But, of course, like I said, I'm scared. scared. I have no idea what's going on. Um, and then from that point forward, I mean, it was many, many months in the hospital, the rest of my eighth grade year to my transition into high school was spending many nights by his side, of course, doing homework there. Um, and he's still in the hospital at this point. He's still in the hospital and I don't know the exact timeline, but I just know it was months and because he needed a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, my sister was a baby at the time. I want to say she was maybe three years wow. old. So now, it, how, how old was your father at the time all this happened? My father was in his late 40s. So he was very young to be having a stroke and a heart attack. He was young, but I do remember growing up, he did have diabetes, and he always had kind of issues with his heart. And I know before I was born, he had a heart attack scare, but we never expected something like this to happen. Of course, I know that my mom was very on top of him before with his health and how he ate, but my dad... He did not listen. Right. He loved his sugars. Like most men. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bradley. <laughs> Except he's not much of a sugar guy. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's so, yeah, it's so funny because, of course, later on, um, he would look at my mom and be like, I should have listened to you. Oh. Yeah. I should have listened. And then, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was so sad and it was very hard for us to, I mean, watch that. We had to take turns. Of course, I was still in school. So. And you also have a little baby sister yeah. at this point. Yeah. Tell us about, I mean, that's hard too, because now your mom's not only caring for the two of you, but she's also caring for your dad. And this one of them is a little itty bitty person. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then providing for the family. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly. all these things that were happening at one time in your life. How, how did you see this affect your, your mom and your little sister? So I remember, um, of course, my mom, I mean, my dad was my mom's first love. And when she came, my mom is from actually Peru, another country, and she moved to the States when she was very young after she graduated college. And she worked in actually New York City for a few years. And my dad was on a business trip in New York, and they met and they fell in love. And my dad was from Oklahoma. 
And my mom, they did long distance. They got engaged. My mom moved down, and the rest is history. That's Aww. beautiful. I love that. story. From I New York to that. Oklahoma. God love her. <laughs> Do you have a sound for hearts? I don't know. <laughs> Heart throbs? No. <laughs> oh, that's good. The rainbow. Yes. <laughs> the unicorn. Yeah. So, oh my goodness. So this, I mean, just watching her every day it was such a struggle. And being so young, like I just tried to be as there for her. Of course, my dad and my sister as much as I could be. But I mean, I remember even myself, like I would try so hard to like hide my emotions mm -hmm. because I didn't want to look I mean, I guess weak in a way. I wanted to be strong for my sister. I didn't want my dad to see me emotional too. Yeah. And at the, at this point, your childhood is gone. You're now yeah. an adult at 14 years yeah. old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize it until later on, which I will get to because um, of all the emotions that I, I went through, I did not understand it. But um, of course, by, by miracle, my dad was able to come home. But during this process... We had completely transformed our home. Um, I remember specifically in his room, we had to get kind of like, um, I don't know specifically what they're called, but kind of like a hospital bed type of thing mm -hmm. where um, it's easy for him to get in, in and, and out and of yeah. and uh, for it to elevate and things like that and to have like his... Uh, IV, IV, everything. everything. It's yes. like being in a hospital, but it's in your house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, the shower doors off, our regular doors off. I mean, everything was changed. Ramps, uh, anything you can think of, you name it. Um, so we were preparing for him to come home. And like I said, during this time, it was a lot of therapy. My mom spent a lot of time in the hospital with him. I was at school. We would take turns. So we were ready for him. We were excited for him to come home. Um, we also had uh, a nurse, part-time nurse that would come work with us, but ultimately it was my mom and I. I just remember now I'm in high school, he's home, I think probably in the mornings mostly it was my mom maybe making him breakfast and then I was feeding my sister or and then I would go to school, go to sports, do my homework and then at night it could be my turn. Maybe I was making him dinner, my mom was taking care of my sister. We just we had these roles. So y'all were we, like partners now. Yes. And you're 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 trying to go to school, stay strong. I mean, your process at that point mentally, how are you doing at that point? Were you just not allowing yourself to really feel all of the stress of what you're going through, was it like robotic? You were just going day to day trying to get through the emotions of things? Tell us about how that was because I'm sure you weren't only just stressed for what your dad was going through, the stress that was on you, but then also watching your mom mm -hmm. and your sister. So how, how were you getting through all that? So it was exactly as you said. It felt like a day to day to me, but I remember every day when I would get out of school, I would just have to like take a deep breath because mm. I just, it hurt me so bad going home and, and seeing my dad like that. I mean, he was very emotional. He was very confused. He would try so, so hard to overcome these obstacles. Mm. Um, I mean, not being able to drive, not being able to eat on his own. He couldn't even go to the bathroom or take a shower on his own. And that frustrated him so bad. And um, I think seeing him, he would never admit it, but I know that he felt a lot of guilt because he knew that it was just my mom and I at the end that were taking care of him. And my mom, of course, I mean, even his work, he was a business owner. She had to take all of that, not knowing how to do it. Of course, my sister's a baby. So everything and above, but 
it and in did, this moment, y'all didn't have a whole lot of support. You mentioned yeah. like, you know, your dad's family, they weren't very involved in his care. And your mom's family is, of course, in another country. So mm-hmm. y'all didn't have a whole lot of help. No, and that's one of the things that I, I suffered from, too, is I don't, I just remember my dad's side of the family, they all kind of just dispersed. And they were not there at all. And to this day, they have never reached out to me again. And it was very hard because I would see, I mean, growing up with my dad, of course, we would have the Christmases and the holidays and we would always be together. And then when he got sick and he was in these issues and my mom and I were suffering, I mean, I would see them all over my social media being together, but they never reached out to us. They they were never involved. Wow. So Mm -hmm. how did you, I mean, how, I mean... Did you feel betrayal? Did you feel abandoned? What what were you thinking at that point? One of the biggest issues that I think grew on me growing up, at the time I just felt anger, but growing up I suffered with abandonment. Mm -hmm. It hurt me really bad. And I remember, I mean, getting older, I would always tell my mom, like one of my biggest goals in life is to have the biggest family that I can because I I didn't have that. I felt like in that moment when I needed family values the most, they were not there. And, um, I mean, to this day, I still kind of have like a bitter heart. I, I just distanced myself. I haven't tried to reach out. I'm still angry. And that's still something you're processing and working through and trying and to. And that's okay. That's yeah, okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For it's sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're still very young and yeah. this is, this is a lot to, to take in, you know, that, you know, family issues are, everybody has them, right? Yeah, Everybody's yeah. got family issues. But when you have something like that, where you just totally feel abandoned, that's a whole different issue. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so now your dad is, there's, you know, they're working on getting him rehabilitated. They're working on trying to make sure he gets stronger. What's happening now? So over the years, he, thankfully, he got a lot stronger. I mean, he overcame a lot of obstacles. He finally was able to semi-walk on his own. I mean, with a walker, of course, and very slowly, but I mean. That's, that's kind that's, of a miracle in and of itself. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Huge miracle. Um his left side, I believe, was the side that was paralyzed. So even being able to lift things again on his own, being able to eat on his own. Um, I mean, he would start dancing again. Aww. He was happy. I mean, he just, we really, my mom and I really, really every day worked with him. And I honestly think because of my mom, he was able to overcome so much. I mean, she really, truly it was like 24-7 by his side. Yeah. And um, really, really talking into him that, I mean, everyone says that it's like a miracle that he was able to. What a great example mm-hmm. of true love your mom mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about true love, but they don't really talk about it in the way you're talking about it. But that is such an example of and, what and, true love and is. And probably how yeah. that pushed your father to, to be better because mm-hmm. he knew someone was right there that believed in him, that was going to be his fighter when he couldn't fight yeah. between mom and you. Mm-hmm. And that probably pushed him to be the better, the best he could be to get better. He which didn't want to leave says, them. So, it yeah. says so much. Oh, thank you. I know she would appreciate that so much. It's amazing. But um, so at this point now, he's starting to to try to do some things on his own. He's making some progress, and then what happens? So now I'm older. It is my junior year in transition to my senior year. And at this point, I'm thinking everything is better. Of course, like I said, this has been my day-to-day for so many Mm -hmm. years that, um, of course, it's still hard for me. But I'm thinking at this point, my dad is going to be potentially in my life forever. 
And um, I think one of my biggest regrets, honestly, is I remember the day before he had called me and he wanted to he wanted me to lay down with him and he wanted to watch a movie with me. And, you know, I've I've been by his side so long. We've watched so many movies. (laughs) So this one specific day, um, one of my girlfriends, she wanted to hang out, you know, just go get lunch or dinner. And um, I told my dad that, you know, I was going to spend time with my friend, but I promise as soon as I get home, we're going to spend time together. We'll watch a movie because that was like our thing. And I got back later than I thought. And the next morning I went to school and I found out he had passed away that morning. Mm. And that was something to this day that it was, it's so emotional for me because, and that's something Every time my friends, let's say, their parents call and they're like, oh, yeah, my dad's calling. I'm like, you need to answer the phone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You need to spend time with them. You need to take those calls. You don't know when those moments won't be there anymore. But Mm -hmm. also, too, think about um, the little miracles. It it sounds, sounds like nothing, but to me, I also think, too, there's a reason why you weren't there. I agree. With your father. That's a good point, Randy. I think sometimes that's, a higher powers way of saying maybe you didn't need to see certain things that had happened to him yeah. during that process of passing. So I, I, I hate hearing that you're so hard on yourself about yeah. that because I know you're going to think it automatically, but I also want to encourage you that maybe to, to think about it as a way of being a blessing. For you to remember your dad in the way you needed yes, to remember him. Yes, yes, oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was something that was so hard for me from that point forward. I mean, I was so angry at myself because because I thought to my, I should have just spent that time with him. Mm-hmm. That was my last moment that I had with him after all of these years. And then, of course, the confusion and anger. I From that point forward, felt like, honestly, a, a blur to me. And when my mom started taking me to uh, therapy, I just, I mean, they would ask me about specific moments and it was, it felt weird because I just couldn't remember Mm -hmm. like specific moments in time. But as we go into this and we're going to talk a little bit about PTSD, Mm -hmm. that's one of the symptoms right there. Mm -hmm. You block those things out because they're so painful Mm -hmm. and the response is so intense that you just can't. So that is a symptom of PTSD. Mm -hmm. So I, and I did end up getting diagnosed with PTSD and you know, before that, I was so confused, like I said, because even my mom, my mom is my absolute best friend. We're so close. I mean, we have to be. We we only have each other and my sister. And I just remember f- being so confused because my anger, a lot of the times, would come out on her. Mm-hmm. And that would hurt her a lot because she didn't understand. I didn't even understand myself. And I think getting older and kind of going through and and talking and figuring out what PTSD is, I think because she was the first person, like we went through this for so long together, like I don't have anybody else, I kind of just let everything out on her. I'm not going to let anything out on on my little sister, we didn't really go hand in hand and what my mom and I went through. Correct. Yeah. So y'all were kind of each other's partner. And so that was your person. And that's what we do when mm-hmm. we're going through something, the person close to us gets the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what would ha- what, it was, what was happening with you and your mom. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So now at this point, so that you, the anger was developing, you're starting to have these symptoms, your mom's getting you into counseling. How's it affecting you at school, your friends, your social life, and all the different things that go along with being a teenager? So now in my senior year, I mean, my grades are just absolutely plummeting. I actually got told right before graduation from one of my school counselors that, I mean, she was just very honest with me. She was like, Nicole, your, your grades are absolutely going down the drain. I don't think you're going to go to any major university. You might not even get to community college at this point because I was so behind on everything. I didn't, I wasn't in the mood anymore to finish my homework. It was hard for me to study, to focus. And I mean, that absolutely broke me. I was, I left crying. I was so upset. I went home. I mean, I was just lost at this point. And um, I mean, it was always my dream to go to a, a big university and I mean, I obviously knew that was very realistic because at this time, everybody's applying and they're mm-hmm. so excited and everyone's about to go to college. And I haven't even looked at an application. I mean, at this point, like I could care less. I didn't really know like meaning of what I should even be doing with my life at this point. And, you know, my mom, when she saw me so distressed I remember she showed up to the school and she told the counselor you know you're gonna see my daughter one day she's gonna do big things Mm. and she really really always believed in me from the beginning even in times where I didn't even believe in myself she's always pushed me but thankfully after that moment um I it was very hard for me because for some reason I wanted to be as far away from my hometown as possible I mean I'm at the time where even being around friends, being in my childhood home, just the city in general, everything reminded me of what I went through. And it was, I felt every day like I was like battling anger. Mm-hmm. So you've been through the fight and this is your flight. Like yeah. You're out of here. You're like, I can't fight anymore. I need out of here. Mm-hmm. So you were running away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember I just packed two luggages and my mom and my sister took me. It it was a lot because obviously, of course, immediate reaction of my mom. She did not want me to go. Mm-mm. We are very, very close. And um, my sister, of course, is still young. And I kind of had a battle because I knew going away, there's a chance I might not ever come back. And of course, I knew I was going to visit them and everything. But I mean, this was my life for so long that I was very scared. But I knew this is what I thought I needed to do for myself because I ultimately felt like I was suffering inside every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And friendships at this point, I was the type I don't I didn't really care to open up to anybody. I wasn't really talking to anybody about how I felt And I mean, at this point, my friends were probably, I mean, maybe a handful. And yeah, it was hard for me to leave, but I was, I just wanted to start over Mm -hmm. basically at this point. Fresh new start, new beginnings, Mm -hmm. not reminded of the past. Mm -hmm. You think it's going to be a step forward. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm going to guess your story didn't end up that way. It wasn't necessarily a fresh start, was it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Because all the pain that you had from home just went with you right into Florida. And then Mm -hmm. you're isolated. You're going to a place where you don't know anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, New setting, new beginnings. You're excited. But then you get there and what, what happens? So I get there and I think it was about a month. <laughs> I actually would record myself. I mean, I was just absolutely sobbing. I Every day I was so sad. I felt lonely. I missed my family so much. 
But, you know, now I'm in school and I, I made this decision and I thought to myself, like, I'm just going to push forward and I'm going to study and, um, you know, of course, make my mom proud because I, I mean, we had, it took a lot for me to get to Florida that uh-huh. a month later, I'm just coming home. I just didn't want to show her that I couldn't do it. I wanted her to be proud of me ultimately. But so you got a little your mom's fight in you then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a lot of her mom's We're fight. We're going to thank Peru yeah. for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you started to like, I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to, I'm going to work my way through this. Mm-hmm. But of course, I mean, I think I was there for about two to three years after that. And all I can think about Florida is, of course, I had my good moments. I made made amazing friends, met great people, but I was very sad. I was you very were still lonely. just kind of empty. Mm-hmm. I was suffering, and like you said, I carried everything with me. That I think it just grew even more over time. And I remember one specific day. I want to say about two years ago, as I was very set on ending my life that day. I had, I was researching about it. I was looking for a way that I could go that was an easy way to go. I was planning how could I do this without hurting my mom. I mean, I was really researching because I was scared, but I just wanted to end my life. So all of this effort you put into the fight, you never dealt with the real issues. You never dealt with the pain and all the things from the PTSD and the trauma. And it was just boiling out at this point. And it's, it's interesting you out. say, and hearing you say that, but also hearing you say you just wanted to end your life. Not necessarily wanted to end your life. You just wanted to end the hurt. Is that what I'm getting yes. off that? Because I heard you say, you know, I don't know, Carla, help me out here. When you're thinking about all these ways yeah. of ending something, and but you don't want to hurt anybody. Yes. It's just you want to hurt. You want to end the hurt. Yeah. Not the, just, not the you, the hurt. If mm-hmm. it was gone, you'd be okay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every day, like I said, it was a battle for me. I was, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was at the point, too, I think being away from my mom, because in high school, I mean, she... She has the option to put me into counseling if she wants to. Now that I'm over 18, Mm -hmm. she could tell me all she wants. Go to counseling, you know, go get help here, go do that. But I didn't care. You were resistant. You were unmotivated. Yes, very. And I definitely think not having that and not caring about that just made me worse. What made you not do this? What made you not act on it? I honestly... Just think in my head, I was at the point where I was over it. Like, I wish I didn't think that because, of course, it it led me to spiral and Mm. get into this this space where I was even triple hurt than I was before when I was going. But I just remember, I don't know how I fought through that my mind to not end my life that day. I mean, I just kept having my mom and my sister's face in my mind. They were your reasons to Mm -hmm. live. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill. That's Mm -hmm. a skill we use to treat suicide Mm -hmm. is finding those reasons to live. And they were yours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that in itself, I mean, I would never admit that's something that I kept just between my mom and I, I would never want anyone to know. I didn't want anyone to know that I was even thinking about this until one day I'd open up to one very close friend of mine and I just kind of let everything out. And from that point forward, she took me, she actually is from a very strong 
Christian family. And she, I just remember her telling me, you need to come to church with me this weekend. And like I said before, I grew up in private Catholic school my entire life. You know, I had talked to my priest. I was very close with him. He prayed over us. He was there for my dad. But I was already at the point in my life where I felt angry with God Mm -hmm. in a sense. I felt like how could he take my dad from me when I felt like I was such a good person. And y'all were fighting it. Here you were fighting this and and he still went, Mm -hmm. still left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just felt betrayal, like you said, and that. So when she had reached out to me to go to church, I mean, I had my doubt, but I still went with her and she put me in a Bible study group, actually, that her sister had led. And from that point forward, I mean, my life completely changed. And I was surrounded by people who, when I f- felt comfortable enough to share my story, I before I was so scared of feeling judged. Mm-hmm. I think I was so naive in that. And when I finally opened up, like having people just cry with me, mm-hmm. having them there for me, support me every single day. I mean, it was like, whoa, like I felt like I had a family in a sense well, again. What you just said yeah. is, and I think it's so important sure. is a lot of times people don't realize that just because they're not blood doesn't mean they're not family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. that, that was your, that's your family. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how helpful they are. And the importance of having a strong social support system mm-hmm. is what gets people who are suicidal through the hard times. Yes. And you didn't have that for such a long time because your mom was, you know, not with you and now here you had this big void. And so finding that allowed you to give new purpose and mm-hmm. start working your way back and, and finding that fight again. Yes. Thank you. And I mean, yeah, and from that moment, I mean, slowly every single day, I mean, just having people around me hold me accountable, push me. That's when I was like, I really need to work on myself. Did you get counseling at this point? I know that you've now built this social support system, but did you actually go and find a counselor or a psychiatrist or someone that can help you through this? So after I started going, I finally was open to the idea of Mm -hmm. going again. And eventually I did get a therapist who really, really helped me. Um, I mean, I now was comfortable with opening up after all of this trauma for I don't know how many years it's been now. And from that point forward, I mean, my grades, my school, like everything I started taking so serious. Did she help you understand the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder? She did. And I think understanding too, because I still was confused of like my brain and how it worked and the symptoms that I had. Of course, when I was in high school, I got diagnosed, but I didn't really go through all the steps like I didn't understand it Mm -hmm. yeah and I didn't continue with my therapy and what we know in in the United States is five percent of teens 13 to 18 will experience some form of PTSD for various reasons there's all kinds of reasons we get PTSD one of them is traumatic loss or seeing a family member go through a horrific uh, health problem 
um, and die and things like that. Those things are reasons for PTSD and what can drive us to that point. So um, you had two of the seven that I can list, right? So, and there's so many other ones as well. But, you know, just getting an understanding of that, that this is something that's happening to you. And then knowing that I can heal from it, I can learn to manage the symptoms. But the biggest thing is, like you said, a lot of people don't even realize they're going through it. No, like, they you don't. don't even know what PTSD is. Right. You have no idea. And then... And then someone like Carla or a professional comes out and tells you, hey, you've got two of the seven symptoms here. Yeah, and the depression and anxiety goes goes hand in hand with it, of course, but also the PTSD can mimic different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's hard to really pinpoint what it is. And, and so, this and is so is- explain that, though, because I think it's interesting. Could part of her PTSD be that she was getting angry? Oh, yeah. She was. 100%. You know, what, what are some of those things that you, she's experienced? She's explained to us that you think she, she went yeah, through. This irritability and agitation, intense anger, impulsivity, aggressiveness, all of these things are part of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see people who can't hold relationships, you know, because they have so many of these things. It's hard for them to reach out and get connected. Uh, there might be anxiety and depression we talked about, substance use, panic panic attacks and panic disorders. Did you have any of those kinds of things where you would just, you just couldn't get a breath? Mm-hmm. Panic attacks. I remember specifically, I had a very serious one in high school where my mom had to take me to the hospital. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, a definite sign. And then we also, you talked a lot about focus, concentration, and attention. And that's just a, it's a symptom of PTSD as well as depression, anxiety, and those things really are real. It's hard for you to to narrow your thoughts down and focus on anything. So those are um, big signs. I mean, you're like hitting every one of them. Insomnia, did you have trouble sleeping? Yes. Did you have nightmares? <laughs> oh, yeah. Flashbacks, you could just be sitting in class and flashback to things, or maybe the sounds of certain dings that reminded mm-hmm. you of the medical devices your dad was on, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Isolation, is yeah. that part? Isolation. Isolation. And I heard a lot of isolation. Yes. And what you were saying as far as, you know, just going through the process, moving off to Florida, um, the isolation. And and really, honestly, it's it's it makes sense to just want to get away from things. Yeah. It makes sense to want to start over. But you figured out that wasn't the way to do it. No. It, that's why it's also it's so important when people are working with kids, teens, um, in schools to realize that kids just don't act out for no reason, right. or they don't use substances for no reason, or maybe this irritability and all these things could actually be something this child's going mm-hmm. through. So we don't want to write it off to that child's just acting up or they're they're making those choices. Just like the counselor was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you're not going to be able to college." Well. This is a student who wasn't like like that before, right? So why would you say that to your kid? Big red flag, big red flag, right? So that's what we really want to notice is that sometimes we have to dig a little deeper and find out if there is a trauma. Right. So, well, tell us a little bit. So now what's happened? So now you've found this group, you're feeling, you're getting in touch with God, you're building your faith, you've got a support system. Where are you now? So I'm ultimately doing better, and it feels so good. Of course, PTSD is something that I've struggled with every day, and at this point, I've kind of trying. I feel like it's so sad to think about, but I was just embarrassed to be diagnosed by PTSD, and I wish that I wasn't. And um, now I'm honestly... I mean, that's why I'm here is because I feel like a lot of kids, they kind of hold that in and mm-hmm. they're, they're scared to talk about these mm-hmm. things. And I, so from that point forward, I missed my mom so much and my sister and growing up, my dream university was always to go to SMU, Southern Methodist University in Dallas. It's close. 
It's close to home, but it's a good four-hour distance. <laughs> it's an amazing college it on top is. of that. It I is mean, a great college. It's an amazing college. Yeah. But I, I remember in high school, I mean, I can think of the maybe three or four kids that actually got into SMU, and they were the smartest kids in mm-hmm. class. Yeah. And I knew that I wasn't going to get accepted. I was very hard on myself in that aspect. But now I'm at the time where my mom is telling me, like, you should reapply. I think that you you could get in. And she would tell me this every day to the point that it was just annoying to me. What a great <laughs> mom, we love like that. I love those, those kinds of moms. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, because in my head, I'm like rolling the, my eyes. I'm like, <laughs> She knew you. it too. She knew you were rolling your eyes too, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Mom you know, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that you believe in me, but just knowing my, my record, I mean, my high school, my senior year, like that transcript, like I was embarrassed of that senior year transcript. And I knew that that's part of applying to a university, but you know, I don't know what built up the courage in me one day, because like I said, this is my dream university, but now I'm a lot older. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, like, would they even accept me? Does it, doesn't hurt to try. And I got in touch with the transfer department and, you know, I was so willing on coming back that originally I even was trying to apply as a non-degree seeking student. That's how bad I wanted to get into this university because I was like, even if they don't look at my, even if they don't like my grades, I could still go as like non-degree because my, my transcript wouldn't matter ultimately, because I'm not actually getting a degree at SMU, but I can enjoy, you know, going to classes there Mm -hmm. and going back to Florida if I need to. But I just wanted to be able to say that I made it to a big, my Mm -hmm. dream university ultimately. And I had to apply by submitting a essay and is in my essay, I included part of my story in there. And I got reached out by someone in this transfer department. And she told me, she's like, I think you should apply as a regular transfer student. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, I, I will. But it was like a little word of encouragement that I remember when I got off the phone, I was so excited. Aww. Oh, my gosh. Good that's for awesome. you, SMU. Uh, yay. <laughs> Way to go. Whoever you are yeah, in that office, that you Seriously, did good. That's oh, amazing. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I applied and I got my acceptance letter two days before last Christmas. Yay. I know. <laughs> and Celebrate. <laughs> and I remember opening that letter in front of my mom and my sister. And I mean, we were all crying. Aww. We were jumping up and down. We were so excited. And my mom was like, see, I told you that yeah, you could mom's do like, it. I told you. <laughs> I told you, you just so. listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. We, we were so in shock and so happy. And then even now, it's so funny because my mom, like, she'll come visit me. We just had family weekend like two weeks ago. And she's like, I, I can't believe we're, we're here. I'm so proud of you. But, um, but yeah, so from that point forward, I mean, when I was in Florida, I was in, I was doing medicine. I wanted to be a pediatrician and I loved medicine because for so many years I felt like I was my dad's nurse. Mm. So I resonated with, with medicine. I mean, I loved it and that was what I was comfortable with. And then when I came here, I got in, I got in contact with the Office of Wellbeing on campus at SMU and the director heard my story as well. And she wanted me to work with her 
on what is now a group on campus that just opened called Wellbeing Education Student Team. And we work with... A.K.A. the Westies, right? Yes, okay. the Westies. The Westies. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just kind of building up the Westies at this point. I think they had just kind of started the year before, if I'm, if I'm correct. But um, she really believed in me. And she told me that, she's like, I think you would be really good in uh, pediatric psychology. And because I was so passionate about working with kids specifically because I resonated with like my childhood Mm -hmm. self Mm -hmm. I loved kids always and I'm very empathetic towards kids and that was kind of the route of being a pediatrician doing something with kids and um, with psychology I mean she could see that I was so passionate about it and we would work on different projects together. We went to Washington together to work on um, a big petition that we were doing on campus. So many different things. And uh, the well-being, the Westies, is, I mean, we work with, I mean, it could be mental health, physical health. Um, I mean, that could be eating disorders. Uh, Just the well-being of the student population. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything. And I, I love it. I'm passionate about it. And from that point forward, I mean, I've completely switched my degree and I feel so happy. You feel like you're in the right place finally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, PTSD doesn't necessarily go away easily and it's something you're going to battle for a while, you know, because it's been, it's still pretty new for Mm -hmm. you. Um, But the fact that you've changed from flight back to fight, Mm, it's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And the work that you're doing with other students and being yeah. part of their wellness and their mental health and their physical health and doing all those things and contributing back have to be so healing for you. Well, and yeah. And the most important thing, too, is you can actually literally relate to the struggles mm-hmm. that some yeah. of these guys are going through, which a lot of people, I think, have a hard time dealing with it because the first thing they think is, well, have you been through this? And if yeah. you've not been through it, it's hard to they relate you to down. it, but you've yeah. been there. Yeah. And so, wow, you're going to be so effective helping people. Thank you. And one of the things too is, you know, when she started talking to me about psychology, I thought it was great because, I mean, SMU doesn't really have a big medical program anyway. So they are big in psychology. They are big in psychology. (laughs) And in the classes, it's like, I'm not only learning for my degree, I'm learning for myself Mm. every single day. Mm. And And it helps you heal. It helps Mm. me heal. Love it. And all of my professors, I mean, they're psychologists, they're counselors, and they're very open on, if you need to talk to me, come after class. And I have such a good relationship. I know What a great environment for you. Oh, yes. For any SMU student, (laughs) really. Yeah, actually, yes. That's That's pretty amazing. amazing. Yeah. Well, Nicole, what's what's in the plans for you? Where are you going to be five years from now? I hope that I am completed my PhD. I'm working as a pediatric psychologist. Um, you know, even in the route, I, I just talked to actually my advisor the other day and she's like, even if you go to counseling, I think that you would really, really succeed in it. And I think that you could help so many people. Um, if I could go and help, you know, someone that's struggling with depression, anything, I am very, very hands-on right now on campus. And I try and kind of stick my foot in the door everywhere that I can because I'm really, really dedicated to students' overall wellness. I mean, their mental health, I think, is something, unfortunately, that I wish is talked about more. I think that, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I think COVID, unfortunately, and social media, I really don't know. But I feel like since then, I mean, 
everyone I meet, I feel like, is like struggling with mm-hmm. anxiety. Mm-hmm. Or I think both of this played a big part yeah. into your generation right. um, and, and in ways that many people don't understand. But we're going to be seeing that unfold, and we're going to see more research around that, and it's going to show that your generation was highly affected well, by Well, and I students. think that there's pros and cons to yeah. it. The cons is what everybody's going through, but the pro is you guys are making everybody aware of what it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what's causing us to You're discuss You're raising a lot of awareness you, you, to mental you, health. Are, yeah. you guys are going to be the pushing force to making sure we address the epidemic in this world Absolutely. with mental health issues. Absolutely. Nicole, you are a beautiful young woman, yes. and we are so glad Thank that you. you are here and just – the amazing story that you just told us and where you've come from. So we wish you all the best. We yes. know there's big things for you ahead and we would love to have you back here to tell us more updates as you continue down this process. Oh, thank, thank you, you so <laughs> much. Thank you for having me. All right. If you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health issues, please reach out to talk to someone you trust. Get connected to a mental health professional who can help you find ways to cope and ultimately feel better. If you are having suicidal or self-harm thoughts or thoughts of hurting another person, please go to the nearest ER, call 911, or contact the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you for tuning in to Mental Perk. We hope our talk today highlighted real people working through real issues based on mental health. Our goal at Mental Perk is to make sure every one of you knows you're worthy. We're in this together.